Looking to take you and your real estate business to the next level? You're in the right place. Laying foundations for real estate success? This is the No Fluff, No BS podcast about real estate for real estate agents and other industry professionals looking to up their game. Unfiltered short-form sales meetings, interviews with agents from every walk of life, and ramble sessions about everything real estate. Welcome to a new mindset. You are listening to Reraw. And now, introducing your host, James Hoff. What's happening out there, real estate world? Well, we are on a roll and back again for another Wednesday interview. If you're not listening to this episode through the website, make sure you head over to reraw.com afterwards. You can reference our show notes to access any resources, tips, tricks, anything that we talk about in this interview will be right there, including my affiliate link to Ava. Learn more about Ava and understand why they've helped and how they've helped uh, my own real estate business by calling on and nurturing my leads 24-7. Whether I'm sleeping, whether I'm on an appointment with another client or out with my family, I never miss a lead when I'm working with Ava. So head over to rerod.com, check out the show notes to access that. We're not wasting any time. We're jumping right into the interview. And today, I'm excited to be sitting here with Mr. Ron Evans, a fellow agent actually out here in Southern California. So Ron, you yes, ready sir. to get raw, brother? Absolutely. I was born raw. It's kind of weird. Kind of weird. Might have to change that line. It's kind of weird. Well, folks, our guest today, Ron Evans, comes from a corporate background focused in the technology space. Ron has been a licensed realtor now for about four years, just shy of actually, and he's worked his way through the business with perspective from many different angles, including being a buyer's agent when he got started, a solo agent going at it alone for a little while, all the way to picking up a partner, and now not just with a partner, but in the early stages of building a team of his own. His management and tech experience continues to show its value as he grows his real estate business. Ron is still considerably early in his career overall, but he's making his way through some pretty aggressive moves that we're going to hear more about today. Ron, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much uh, for, for jumping on here with me. Can you just take a minute or two, fill in some of the holes from that intro, and then you know tell the world a little bit about what's going on outside of real estate in your life, what uh, what you have happening? Sure. Well, thanks, James. Um, yeah, so prior to real estate, I spent the bulk of my adult life and working career working in the wireless industry, the final 13 years of that working for Sprint, <clears throat> managing a territory of um, several hundred doors here in Southern California. So I was on the road a lot, and that helped me... Um, really gain knowledge to the areas um, that I work in, as well as just really cultivating uh, belly-to-belly relationships and being able to talk to people and and relate to people from all walks of life, because the stores I worked in um, and managed uh, were in lots of different areas, different socioeconomic backgrounds and everything else. So um, a lot of that does translate well to real estate. Um, in uh, For a short time in between working in wireless and real estate, I did also work um, as a project manager for a web development and uh, SEO social management uh, company, and uh, really enjoyed that. And of course, that has definitely benefited my career. Um, it's helped me be able to manage a lot of technical background things myself um, for like website and social media and everything without having to um, pay for other people to handle things for me. And it also helps me help other people be able to filter the noise uh, because, you know, we get hit a lot in this uh, industry with people that 
really just want your money and don't mm. d- deliver results. But um, I like to help people when I can um, teach them how to deliver their own results without uh, paying any money to anybody else. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Well, what's going on outside of real estate before we dive into the, the real estate stuff? What's uh, what's happening in the world outside of work? You know, I, I have two kids and a wife and I've uh, been here in Orange County, Rancho Santa Margarita area now for about 15 years. Um, I do everything from, you know, coach soccer uh, basketball, just, you know, we do Indian princesses with my daughters. They're young enough to still be in that program. And that's a joy. So it's, you know, going out and camping and everything. It's a daddy daughter program. Um, and really it's just all about the family. Um, I, I don't have any personal family of my own in California. So when I want to go see people on vacation, it's usually for us to go, you know, visit, visit my family out of state. Um, and we hang out mostly in state with, uh, with my wife's family. Awesome. So surrounded by women. Absolutely. Yes. There's a lot of estrogen in my household. <laughs> well, nice to run a real estate business then that uh, maybe you get to call the shots every now and then. Right. Well, let's ha- be honest, Ron, you picked up a, a female partner over here, right? I have a female partner. <laughs> I have a female partner and we and I have two female agents also on the team. So what happens in the office is it's replicating what I have at home so much so that my wife's name and my partner's name are also the same. Okay, well, just to confuse everything a little bit more there, that's pretty awesome. Well, I guess uh, I guess you just uh, attract the women, man. So that's uh, there you go. Well, you know. Hey, so I wanted to uh, I wanted to go back to something you had mentioned. You know, you said in your corporate world that you had an opportunity to you know work with people from every walk of life, which has really helped you in your real estate business. Mm-hmm. And here on Reraw, one of our focuses is to talk to agents and industry professionals from every walk of life, which. Uh, obviously you fall, I fall, we all fall into that category in, in our own unique way. And we all have different goals. So my, my question that I want to ask you is what, what kind of vision do you have for success? Or maybe an easier way to put that is what is your vision of success in real estate? Define what that looks like. Well, I can, I can, I can, it, it's difficult for me to really lay it out. So I'm, I'm going to do my best. I can easily say that my focus is not on the dollar sign and I do not define success by the dollar sign. I, I personally need to be able to sleep at night. Um, and I don't care who I'm representing, what side of a transaction I represent. Um, I need to make sure that I know that I've done my best for my client, but that I've also not knowingly done anything to, um, impede or impair, uh, the other side of the transaction. Um, it's just not, it, it's not a way for me to do business at all. Um, other people, obviously I know feel differently about this type of situation and, um, and I get it and to each their own. Um, but that's, that's how I know I've been successful is when a transaction completes and, um, and all parties feel that, you know, nobody left anything on the table, right? Everyone feels that they're treated fairly, equally, um, equitably, um, and and nothing was left behind. Now, personal success, you know, I look at my kids, and for me, what's what's pushing me and defining my success is to make sure that the old adage of you want your kids to grow up to be better than you comes true. Um, I like that. So, you know, I think um, I look at things in the in society today, and a lot of people in society today in entrepreneurs or otherwise are very much me first, um, priority. Um, and me first is not my priority. I'm, I'm just a little more old school. I look at my family and I know that, um, I'm not just doing it for them, but I'm doing it for their future. 
you know, it's not, I'm not just doing it for their immediate future. I'm doing it for their future future. I want, I want my kids to be able to look up to me and, and see what I do, practice what I preach, uh, with the values and everything and, um, and be able to put it in practice themselves. I think that's really great. So, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to separate ourselves from the, the money goal. And I like the fact that you're driven by something more than the dollar sign, but I want to dig on this for a minute because I think there's, there's a very real reality that we have to chase the dollar in some sense to pay the bills and to make that contribution to uncle Sam. And how does your personal goal impact your ability or how do you set your monetary goal for your business so that you can be successful financially and be able to pay those bills? So I kind of work backwards on everything and, you know, and I'm not going to lie. There was a time in my life that when I set goals, it was a, it was transactional based and it was dollar based because that's what you were taught uh, when you got into this business. That's, that's the, that's kind of an old school way of thinking, but maybe about a year and a half, two years ago, previous manager that I had sat me down and he's like, look, you know, you don't manage the, you don't manage the, the end goal. You don't manage the number. You don't manage the dollar sign. You manage the activity. And that's what you should be accountable to is the activity. So if you're doing the activity, as long as you know what the activity translates to dollar wise, you, you manage, you just manage that. So if the activity is not producing, then you figure out what's wrong with the activity that you're doing. So if it's a door knocking or phone calling or uh, open houses or whatever your activity is, if you're not producing the appointments that are leading to the contracts that are leading to the closings, then you have to go back and coach yourself or get coached on what you're doing wrong um, or try a different activity. I think that's um, pretty incredible advice, actually. And, and you know, if you guys missed that, I want to just kind of repeat and, and reiterate what Ron's talking about here is you're managing the the activity that ultimately produces the dollar at the end. And, you know, he's working backwards by by deciding what he's going to do to achieve the end result, right? And it just, what a powerful way to do that. Now, when it comes to actually setting your goals, do you, do you actually set a number goal each year? Or do you, do you have like a production number that you expect to hit? Or, uh, or does your partner have one and do they conflict with one another? We have a, we have a combined goal of transactions that, uh, since we, you know, since everything we do touches both of us, um, regardless of split, it's going to touch both of us at some, at some level. So we have a, a combined goal. And then to reach that, um, our activities, we track on a, uh, weekly or every two week basis. Okay. So Ron, you've you've obviously gone through some pretty substantial changes since you got into the business. And Absolutely, you've you've been in the business for a little bit less than than four years, like we talked about in in your introduction, and you've seen a lot of different things from a lot of different perspectives in a very short period of time. Can you talk to us a little bit about what what ultimately got you to the place that you are now, as far as what drove you to partner up with Angela to start a team as opposed to continue going about it solo and how that plays into your business. So when I got my license, um, I was immediately recruited even before I had my license, I was recruited into a very top end team in, in our, in our office that we had my background working with Sprint and in the wireless industry was, yeah, I managed a territory, 
but I was part of a team of people that we all had territories that we managed. So I'm, I'm not unfamiliar with working in a team environment. And I kind of enjoy a team environment because my philosophy of it at the time that going into real estate was that it's one team, one goal, right? Mm -hmm. Even though everyone gets paid differently and, and your production and, and activities leads to your individual payout, it's still one team, one goal, right? And so I thought that going into it at that time, it, that everyone saw things the same way. I was pretty naive in that. Where I'm at now is as a result of having bluntly a poor um, experience for about a, almost a year working on my first team as a buyer's agent. Um, and then leaving that team and going to work with another solo agent as, as her buyer's agent and having a pretty good experience. Honestly, I finally started learning stuff, getting into deals and things. And I was like, okay, I've experienced the bad. I've experienced some good, but not still perfect. Right. But it was good enough to where, okay, I wanted to go on my own, try things out. But I knew when I went on my own that I was really hunting for a partner. Um, sure. But I needed to go on my own for a, a few months or whatever, just to really analyze my business and where I was. And to re and then to also find someone that would compliment me. I didn't want someone that was going to duplicate me. That's where Angela came out. And so, you know, after I was about, I was on my own for about six months, closed a couple deals. She was in the same boat as far as, you know, her business wasn't exactly where it needed to be. And we just realized after talking for a few months and kind of working things out slowly that there were things that she did that could pick me up. And there was all things that I did that could pick her business up. And together, you know, we thought we could be pretty good. She's your work wife. She's my, she is my work wife. <laughs> Absolutely. Work wife. She's my work wife. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so you've seen a lot of different changes then in, in the way that you approach the business because you've taken on so many different roles between mm -hmm. being a buyer's agent, going solo, uh, creating a team of your own. Mm -hmm. When, when would you say the business in general started to click? When did real estate just start making sense to you? Was there a, a pivotal moment during your, your time in those different roles where you're like, oh, I get it now. I closed, it was last year, probably about the time Angela and I were partnering together. And we saw some pretty immediate success with mm -hmm. it. Um, and then we actually closed out 2017 really, really, really strong and kind of built some momentum. And um, that's, that's the period of time where I was like, all right, I think... It's I making it, sense. I, I think I can make a go of this. So right? what is it What is it when the two of you started working together, you started closing business, the both of you were kind of bringing each other up. Talk mm -hmm. to us about what, like, what is it that made that success happen? Where did that, because you obviously started clicking, not just together, but independently. You, you mm -hmm. kind of had a boost of confidence, it sounds like. So sure. what is it, if you can think back, that changed your mindset, that changed your activity level, that that started going more income producing activity compared to what it was before. I think a lot of it was just the trust, the trust factor, right? Having mm -hmm. someone that I could 100% trust that if something was going on in my day, my schedule, and I knew that it was supposed to be a day we went door knocking or dropping a flyer or making calls that she was going to be able to get it done and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it was the two of us holding each other accountable um, for things. So that's it. So basically just, it's just, it, it was realizing that I could trust somebody, um, that we, 
we were a team, we were a partnership, and we were truly working together. I like that. So in this process now of building a team, which you you just started, how long ago did you start building a team? Back in Feb- January? February? Well, we, we brought our first person on in February. Okay. Of this year? Of this, of this year. year of this year. Yeah. We, we changed brokerages in December of 2017. And um, with... We didn't change brokerages with the intent of building a team, but it was kind of floated out there. And we knew that if we ever wanted to get to that point, at some point that we needed to make a brokerage change to someone that would have a little more backbone and a little more uh, roadmap, per se, set forth and support to help someone build a team. Okay, so I'm going to take this next part in two different, from two different angles, two different types of questions. Number one, we've got a lot of listeners who are probably on the fence about, do I start a team? Do I not start a team? What type of you know hurdles do I have to overcome? What kind of structure do I need to have? Can you talk a little bit about what you had to change in your business to move from being just a partner mm-hmm. or even just a solo agent? Talk to people who wanna start a team and what type of transitions do they need to make in their business to be a successful team leader from what you've seen early on? Um, well, you you definitely have to look at personality, mm-hmm. okay? So you can't just bring... I mean, we've interviewed a lot of people that we thought would just be phenomenal. We've phone screened them, and some you finally do get in for an interview, but some you don't. But you look at them on paper, and you talk to them on the phone, and you think they're just going to be phenomenal, but they're unreliable. So what you just have to be prepared for is not, I guess it's an old adage, but not judging a book by its cover in that regard. Um, Be prepared to find someone that's coachable. Um, You can look at the numbers that they have and the production that they have and see if they have a, if they have low production and they've had their license for a while, is there a plausible reason for that or is there not? And really dig dig deep into that to find out because you will make mistakes. We've already made a couple mistakes. So, so how about from a structure perspective when you're actually structuring your team? Because mm-hmm. business, your business model changes when you go from partnership to team or solo agent to team. What changed in your structure well, and your systems? I'm I am the designated team leader. Okay. Um. So, I know that with my partner Angela. On paper, we're still everything's 50 50, and however our thing is. But I know that it may be, I, I mean, I'm, it's plausible that, there, you know, there's there's an ego issue that you have to get around when someone has to be designated as such, right? And, and you and you come from a 50-50 partnership, and now someone has to be designated as team leader for the system. So for MLS, when you're building your team, um, just when you want to, like, pare down which website you're going to use, if you're using something, you know, someone has someone has to be in charge of certain things. Right. So you're taking on, it sounds like, some of the administrative role of onboarding of Absolutely. making sure systems are set up does that does that mean and and forgive me if i'm misstating but does that mean angela's taking on more of a like the face of the business role where she's more out in the field or just it's a, li- a little bit that but it, it goes beyond it because like when so when you're also the team leader uh, when it comes to our mls and 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 things out here mm-hmm. and with our company when you're designated the team leader the buck stops with you as far as any issues might may arise. So if an agent on your team has an issue and they get a violation, yep, that vi- their violation is your violation. It's Got not it. anyone else's on the team's violation. So and it, so that goes for my partner Angela. If if someone else on the team gets a violation, she has no no worry 
that MLS is going to come knocking on her door, they would right. come to mine because I'm the designated team leader. So there's there's just a little more responsibility in that regard. Um, Does that distract you at all, Ron? Having that having that kind of responsibility where now you're you're dealing with some of that back end work. It sounds like you guys don't have a, a team admin yet, right? You don't have no. a, you don't have an assistant at this point. Maybe Correct. that comes in the future. Uh, does that distract you at all from actually selling houses? Do you feel that it becomes uh, well, a detriment in any way or slows you down? Or do you consider that a long-term investment? It's a little of everything. Mm -hmm. It does slow you down a little bit. But once you get the process in place, you kind of flow. I do think it's, think it's a long-term investment because what I'm already seeing right now is one of our gals that we brought on in the middle of February. She's picked a farm. She started farming in it. And... She picked up a buyer for that farm by out by being out in it. All right, here's a quick story. And so a uh, lady drives by and says, are you a realtor in the area? And she said, yes. Okay, great. I, I need to find a home for my daughter in this neighborhood. Can you help me? Yeah. Wow. So here we are last week. She comes to me. She goes, Ron, do you have any any letters that you've ever used before, like buyer letters to mail into a farm? I said, absolutely. I, I gave her four examples. I said, pick and choose what you want. I said, I try not to make it a form sounding letter. I try to make it conversational. You've got four examples. She mails those letters last week and she's got two listing appointments this week. Wow. So that's wonderful. So me, that's my investment, right? I invested in coaching her, bringing her up to speed, getting her the letters and just being there to reinforce everything. And now we've got two listing appointments that while it may slow me down in the immediate, right? On my, my own, maybe my own personal business or whatever. I'm going to realize it in other people. And when you yeah. get, and when you can get your agents on fire like that, you know, the whole team is going to just grow. It's going to be like a ball, a ball of flames and just go. Yeah. So, you know, to all of our reroll listeners out there right now, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking, we're talking to Ron Evans here about, you know, really building a team in, in its infancy, you know, Ron is at a really interesting <laughs> moment. And we have an opportunity to tap in into this brain and, and understand a little bit more about some of the struggles on the front end. And one of the things that I'm hearing and one of the things that I've personally experienced is, especially when you have a partner, it's incredibly important to tail off of what Ron said. It's incredibly important to define your roles mm -hmm. and to have a very, very clear understanding of what each person is going to do. And the reason is because if you, as a partnership building a team, don't have organization and clarity on that, then when you're, when team members come on, they're coming into something that's chaotic and overwhelming. And chances are when somebody's looking to join a team, it's because they're not interested in dealing with some of that responsibility, or perhaps they don't quite have the skill set. They may be newer. They, they, they may be missing something that they're looking to gain from you. Uh, and and it, some people just want to be on a team. There's nothing wrong with that either. But, you know, if you're starting a team as a partnership, it's very, very important that you're clear on the roles. The other thing I was going to say, for those of you who are starting a team but are solo agents and you're going to take that role on independently, really, really understand and draw out ahead of time what your goals are and what you're looking to achieve. Are you looking to ultimately become a coach where everybody else is hiring the or everybody else is doing the business rather everyone else is getting the listings and the and the buyers and all that or are you also going to be working in it because as you've experienced even with your partnership there is a little bit of a, a you've got to take it back for a second and you're you may not be taking on as many personal listings or working with as many personal buyers 
as you were a couple weeks ago because you're mm -hmm. helping somebody else grow their business. And once they get into their stride and their routine, now you step back into the equation. So there's there's definitely a lot a lot to juggle there. And, and we can have a deeper conversation about that maybe in a sales meeting. But I like um, I like that perspective. It sounds like you guys have gone through a lot already. You said you've you've made a couple of mistakes. Are there any highlights that, you know, that agents should look out for? that stand out what kind of mistakes have you fallen on so far that like you would go back and say oh shoot like interesting lesson learned pretty early on just when you're when you're screening somebody maybe put them through some sales scenarios mm. ahead of time Great right advice. in in the in the process i know that um you know we're all 1099 employees i think back to my but i do think back to my uh, corporate world where, you know, the laws here in California are very, very, very strict on hiring. Every person that you interview has to be asked the exact same questions. So if you have a book of 30 questions to ask and you only pick five of them, you have to pick the exact same five for everyone that you interview, right? Right. In our world, it's a little bit different because we're all 1099. Now there's still certain things you have to follow that you can't ask, right? You know, basics. Yep. Um, but I would just say, just really go deep on your screening. If, if you have the ability to have someone do like a disc profile and you follow that kind of thing, you've done it and you're, maybe everyone else on your team has done it, then you can kind of see how they answer their questions personality-wise, where they score. Would they be a good fit? Would they not be a good fit, right? Um, if someone does, again, if someone does have a lot of long-term, they've had their license for a really long time, but have had little or no production, dig really deep into the reasons behind that. It may be legitimate, but... Um, chances are you're going to uncover an issue in in that stage that could keep you from making a mistake personally now we kind of like you know, i'm leaning towards people that haven't had their license for very long and are going to be still in that you know coachable new mode um oh that's an interesting point too so if you're looking to bring agents on don't be intimidated by someone who doesn't have the production oh i prefer it when I worked in the wireless industry, if I when I was when I if I had to do any hiring of, for a store or whatever, one of my stores that I mm -hmm. watched, um, you know, I worked I was with Sprint, but we would get applicants all the time that would come from Verizon or AT and T or T Mobile or whatever, and I would screen them to make sure that they weren't going to be the type of person that once you got them in the door and were trying to train them to do their job the way you want it done, that you weren't hearing well at Verizon this is how we used to do it. Right at T-Mobile, this is how we used to do it because that's gonna that's just another hurdle you have to clear while you're trying to train them and coach them, and most likely you're not going to be able to ever get them 100% where you need them to be. So let me shift let me shift perspective for a minute and let's talk to let's talk to the agent who's looking to join a team. There's a lot of agents out there that could be at different seasons of their career, uh, some with more experience than others, but mm -hmm. maybe they're considering a team. It just seems like the right time. It could be a good fit. What do you have to say to the agents out there that are looking to join a team and what what should they expect from their team leaders? The first thing I would tell them is if you're looking to join a team, know why you want to join a team. What have What have you been doing on your own that's not working? And have you exhausted your own individual efforts or, you know, but, or are you just brand new and someone is saying, Hey, the easiest way to get started is to join a team. So in either regard, I would just make sure you understand why you want to join a team. What, what your reasons behind it are. Are you thinking that, Oh, it's going to be a whole lot easier on a team 
or are you thinking that you only want to work part time? And so maybe being on a team, you know, or maybe you come from a corporate environment and you are like, okay, I need a little more structure. So maybe being on a team will provide me, help me provide a little more structure because I'm afraid if I'm on my own, I'm just going to, you know, go to the movies every day. Um, I would tell you if you think it's going to be easier, there are some things that might be a little bit easier because you're going to have systems already in place. But at the end of the day, getting the appoint it's all about getting the appointment and you either have the ability to get appointments or you don't. So um, I would say if you're looking to join a team because you a like the camaraderie of a team, b don't want to be a systems type person to have to worry about your CRM and your website and stuff like that. That's a good reason to join a team. If you need a few leads here and there, some teams will provide that a lot. Most don't, um, upfront. I'll just be honest. That was, do you my, think that's a that big misconception by the way? I think it's a huge misconception because I guarantee you there are a lot of team leaders out there. that are telling people we can provide you leads. And then, and the, is that like the broker saying, "Hey, yeah, we'll give you leads when they come through our website," but then they don't find come, that they don't come. That they come really don't come through. Exactly. Like it's it's, ex- it's, ex- it's exactly <laughs> it's exactly that. That yeah, all of our leads go to you know any leads that come into our website are distributed equally to all of our agents, right? Well, then you find out that yeah, they get like five in a year, and there's ten people on the team. So are you really going to get a lot of leads? So, so just I and I think the perception of people looking to go on a team. I think honestly, that's probably the first thing on everyone's mind is I'm new or I've been struggling because I can't get an appointment or I can't, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with the, with hunting down a client. Um, I need to be fed some leads. There's nothing wrong with that at all. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you're, if, if you've exhausted all other efforts, there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to, you know, know exactly what you're getting into when you join that team and know that 90% of the teams out there that are telling you they're going to be giving you leads or have leads to give you, um, they're, I mean, you're not going to get a lot. If you get one a month or a couple a year, you're probably going to be pretty lucky. Now, what they may be able to offer you is if they're a really high producing team is they might be able to offer you the opportunity to, you know, sit a lot of open houses and kind of coach you in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to say, Hey, here's a buyer, here's a buyer lead, go call on it. You know? Yeah. That's that's few and far between with the teams out there um, having that ability to do that. So if you're an agent looking for a team, looking to join a team, Ron's giving some really good advice. And, and it's important that you ask the right questions, just like we're expected to ask the right questions to understand the motivations of you know our potential buyers, sellers, tenants, investors, whatever we got. Right. But it's 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 so key for you to ask the right questions so you understand what type of structure your team, your potential team leaders have in place. Are they running a team that's designed to give you leads, but you're not looking for leads, you're looking for coaching and mentorship? Or are they running a team that's really built on giving guidance and mentorship and the only thing you're really looking for is the leads? Now, my guess is you probably could use a, a combination of both. If nothing else, definitely the guidance and mentorship. But uh, yeah, it's very important. And, and Ron's giving great advice here that you absolutely have to understand the structure of the teams that you're going into. So remember, you know, my mom and dad always told me just, you know, before interviews back in my corporate days, they're like, hey, just remember, don't be afraid to ask questions to the employer because this is your interview too. You're interviewing them. Absolutely. And uh, and, and you as agents, don't be intimidated uh, because you're walking into an interview to see if being on a team is a right fit for you. You know, there's there's a plenty of teams out there and uh, and you got to ask the right questions and make sure the fit's good. I think that's good advice from both perspectives. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that, Ron. I want to 
I want to I want to keep going on the agents that you know that could join a team. I want to shift a little bit. Let's talk about new agents in general. What what advice do you have for a, not just someone looking for a team? Let's go to like the brand new agent. What advice do you have for the brand new agent? They're just starting out. What are some things that they should do and a few things that maybe they should avoid? Um, I think you should a interview three to five brokers before you hang your license. Something I never did. I think you should. Look at your finances first and foremost and determine if this takes me X amount of time to get my first deal, can I survive? Because that's going to let you know, am I starting all in full time or do I need to ease in part time? You know, or do I need to, you know, I can work Monday through Friday, but I got to go have a gig on the weekends to help pay some bills. Like it's going to let you kind of know, knowing your finances is the biggest thing. Cause that's, I think where most people fail in this industry is they're not prepared financially for the uh, the investment in their business and the money needed to make sure that they can still pay their bills at home while they build their business. I would also tell them to reach out to if they have any other friends that are agents or family that are agents and just, just really pick brains of people before you get going. Any big things to avoid? What kind of landmines should the agents avoid? Avoid any company coming to you that says, we can take care of the, all your stuff for you for X amount of money. Mm. So interesting because the old, I mean, there's an old cliche. The easiest way to make a million dollars in real estate is to sell something to other realtors. Okay. And 99.9% of the stuff that you are going to be sold and pitched is crap. You know, it's by the just, way, it's, I mean, it's, it's lower than crap. It's like pond scum garbage crap. You know, by the way, uh, on that note, and you're bringing up a really good point right now, there are so many services out there that take responsibility off of the agent before the agent learns and understands how to do it themselves. That too. And if I can tail off of Ron here for a moment and just encourage the brand new agent or the newer agent, you know, don't handicap yourself by getting rid of things that you should at least understand how to do. Like, for example, I have a transaction coordinator. In fact, I'm married to one. And it's great. But my wife wouldn't even run my first couple of deals because it was it would have been foolish for me to not understand what the process of going through the transaction is so that I know where she's at and mm -hmm. I can have reasonable expectations of what the timelines are and how long should this take. And, you know, what if, if she's busy and my TC can't do something, what I could do on my own, what can I expedite? What can I speed up? You know, if I had just pawned that off, I wouldn't understand the, the process of something as simple as a transaction, which yeah. is what we do all day. And that's, that is key because on the first two teams I worked on, any deal I did went through the team's transaction coordinator. I never touched paperwork. Right. When I went on my own, I was like, okay, do I hit up this transaction coordinator that I know? And someone goes, no, you need to learn it on your own first. So I did like three or four deals on my own, did all my TC work, all my paperwork, and not only does it teach you the transaction, but it honestly gets you re-intuned with exactly word for word, like what the contract's going through, right? You really, you really learn the contract frontwards and backwards because you, you realize, okay, when contingencies are coming up, have I checked all the right boxes? Can I, can I, can I blast someone for this or can I not blast someone for this? What's the expectation here? Um, cause once you go down the TC route, you know, you're relying on your TC to do everything for you and kind of remind you of things that we're not, um, that's just, how it works. But when you get to know it yourself, that's great. Other things, uh, 
if you're if the company you go to work for, if the broker you go to work for offers you a, like a free website and a free CRM, take advantage of it. Don't spend money on that crap out of the gate unless you just I mean, if you're rich and this is just like a a late career move type of thing because you want to parlay money you made elsewhere and you've got a lot of money to burn, then go ahead and build your own website and invest in whatever CRM sure. you want to. A CRM's a CRM's a CRM. Are some better than others? Yes. But I'll tell you right now, a lot of the free ones out there that you get with the different brokerages work just fine for 95% of the agents out there. So Is take there it- one that you use that you are fond of? Uh, some of us, I mean, I remember back in my my corporate days, we had like 15 different systems we used, but ultimately all things pointed back to the good old Excel spreadsheet. Sure. Um, what are you using now that you find successful? Uh, we've we've transitioned over to LionDesk with our where we're at with our new company. Uh, we did not take advantage of, you know, we we aren't using Market Leader, which is the free what we get where we're at now. But you know, LionDesk is not super expensive, and it and we're also in the position to be able to pay for things that. Um, that help make our business work for us instead of the other way around. So, but, but when you're new, take advantage of everything that's free, use a free website. If they give you a free website, don't go spend in a hundred dollars a month or $5,000 to have someone build you a website. That's going to take them six months and it's never going to be what you want it to be anyway. Um, subscribe to re-raw, listen to previous sub- episodes that sub- are in, our, sub- in the podcast. Subscribe to re-raw, uh, hit up the social agent <laughs> on Facebook. Absolutely. He will, William Hagman will, will definitely not steer you wrong if you're looking to do any type of online marketing, um, at a good cost, uh, without, without breaking the bank. Um, but by the way, learn how to do it. Um, you know, shameless mm -hmm. plug here for, I mean, for William, in fact, he was on, uh, he was the very first interview. Uh, we had him as a guest on the show and I got to tell you, I mean, one of the big things that we talked about even on that episode is that he doesn't. He doesn't charge like a monthly subscription fee to manage it for you. He actually mm. teaches you how to do it so that 100% of your budget goes to ad spend instead of management fees and then a little bit of ad spend. Right. So I don't want to go too down that path, but um, it's uh, it, yeah, th- those types of resources are really, really good. So be smart. It sounds like the, the end message on that is be smart with where you spend your money. And if you're going to spend your money on something that frees up some of your time, at least understand how to do what it is that you're freeing up before you do it. When you have that free time, what are you now doing work-wise that you've just freed up that time for? Yeah, great so, thing. So, so it's it's not only just it's not only now handing off a task to somebody else to free up time, but what is it you need to free up the time for? If there's nothing work-related that you're trying to free up that time for, then you you still don't need to spend the money on like the TC or whatever. Don't spend and, money and, for the and, sake of spending money. Exactly. Because yeah. that's what I hear all the time is, oh, I hate running my files or I hate doing this. I hate doing it. I'm just going to pay someone to do it. Okay, great. Well, now what are you doing with the other four hours of your work day? You know? Now, if you're working until like 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night to handle all your files and it's eating into your family time, that's a whole other conversation. Right. But let's be honest. The vast majority of realtors are not working till eight, nine, ten o'clock at night, and I'm just being completely real there. Uh, no yeah. matter, no matter how quote unquote busy an agent looks online, that's a really about ten percent. Yeah, I'm rolling my eyes they're, over here on that. They're that's, about that's the they're, truth. They're really about ten percent busy versus what you actually see of them online. Yeah, great, great points. Really great points. And uh, you know, so to to simplify the message, it's like if you're going to pay to free up the time then make sure the value of what you're getting out of the time that you freed up is worth more than what you're paying 
Absolutely. To free up the time. I mean, it's, yeah, not rocket science <clears throat> stuff here. This is great. And if you're looking to build a team or join a partnership, I'll give you another piece of advice that someone told me. When two people get together as a partnership, you're getting together to do the work of three people, not two. That's great stuff. So then everyone you bring onto your team. So if you've got a team of five people, you should really be doing the work of like 12 to 15. Yeah, it's all about leveraging your time and managing it appropriately and having a plan for it. And uh, yeah, I think this is all great stuff. Ron, I wanna I wanna shift. Just uh, I keep on talking about shifting. I apologize. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably okay. overusing the word. Um, it's a great book. <laughs> that is a great book. Uh, the shift book. Yeah, there, there we go. Um, I'll just have to add that to the show notes. So I want to kind of move over to something that I, I think separates you in a lot of different ways. Uh, and in in my personal opinion, one of the things that humanizes the business. One of the things that I think business or I should say consumers in general care more about businesses that are involved in the community that are involved in charities. Uh, I'm going to take this right off of your off of your uh, website here for Kaufman Evan Homes, Kaufman Evans Homes dot com. It says, uh, you know, we're involved in several community charities for veterans and pets. It's just one of the ways we give back to those that have sacrificed for us. And um I, I just want to take this opportunity for you to talk about the charities that you're passionate about, why you've chosen to align with them, and um, really just give an opportunity to expose them here on this platform so other people sure. that might be interested could get involved as well. Sure. So I have my neighborhood and I have my community. And when you work in real estate, I think probably almost 100% of the agents out there, one way they like to connect with their community is maybe do like garage sales, right? Yard sales and promote themselves within their community. And a lot of it's just, it's self-promotion and everybody does it. And I told myself a long time ago, I did not want to be their garage sale agent. If that's your gig, that's your gig, you know, but it's not me. So I knew a gal that had a baby and her husband was deployed. And thankfully, you know, living here in Orange County, we get to be around servicemen all the time because we have Camp Pendleton that lies in between San Diego and Orange County. So we got a lot of servicemen that live up in Orange County and, and others that live in San Diego and other parts of Southern California. So I was talking to her one day and I just said, you know, I just have this, I, I have this desire that I, you know, I feel like I want to do something for veterans or, or for people that serve. And I'd already looked into other charities like veterans charities, homeless veterans charities. And I thought, well, because my initial thought was I can do something easy. Instead of doing a garage sales in the neighborhood, I can get people to donate blankets, right? I could do a blanket drive for homeless veterans. Well, I went online. I started calling and looking at these charities that are out there and they're like, they're garbage. Like they get like horrible reviews of how they work, what, what really goes to the, to the veterans and stuff like that. And it, and it made me really nervous. And I was like, well, you know what? I don't think I want to go down that road my first time out the gate. Um, so again, I, I contacted my friend Erica and she and I went and had coffee and I just said, you know, kind of tell me what it's like being a new mom and your husband's deployed. So she did. And we, we got to start talking and and she's like, you know, honestly, when the husbands are, and it, and it was coming up on Christmas, this was maybe like September of 2016. That's the first time we got together on this. And um, she's like, you know, they're, they're going to be deployed now from, they just got deployed in September and they weren't going to be back to like April. I believe it was April of 2017. So they're going to, they're going to be gone during Christmas. And you've now got from, from her husband's unit, you've got almost 300 families that are left behind while 
either a, a, a mom or a dad or one of the spouses or whatever are deployed. And she's like, you know, no one, ever, you know, people always do stuff for the soldiers, but no one really does a lot of stuff for the families. Right. So that's when we started doing this thing of uh, we did a uh, we we basically went and did a toy drive. Um, what's the organization called, Ron? There is no organization. This is just us. Oh, you guys are just doing this. Like, We're just doing it. This is your thing. We're doing it for – so it's for the third LAAD. That's the uh, – uh, I want to kill myself now if I can't remember what LAAD stands for. Oh, they deal with surface-to-air defense, and uh, I'm dying to remember what the acronym actually stands for. But anyway, her husband's a part of that, and they have the, uh, they have the two different squadrons. There's, so half of them are deployed all the time. And it rotates back and forth on their deployments and stuff. Uh, and so our goal that time was there's there's, so there's 300 families total. We were going to take care of all the families that were deployed. So we gathered toys and she did all the grunt work uh, to find out all the names, the ages of all the kids, of all the deployed families. And so then we gathered toys and matched them with those ages and with those families and so put them cool. together in baskets and bags. Um, she, we, we went to Vans, the Vans outlet in Orange County, one of them, and we got a bunch of shoes donated from Vans. Wow. Uh, because apparently they do this on a lot and people just don't know to, that you can go to them as like a resource, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, we got to go down there at the beginning of December of 2016. And oh, and we did we did do, we did do a drive also for the the soldiers that were deployed. So uh, you had all these soldiers that were deployed. So I I shipped to Bahrain. I shipped uh, 38 large flat rate USPS boxes of care packages to those soldiers in Bahrain for the third LAAD. And then we collected enough toys and just clothes, shoes, whatever for all the kids and the and and the spouses left behind. So we knew if it was a if it was a husband left behind or a wife left behind, we had stuff for them as well. We had Christmas presents for everybody mm-hmm. that was left behind, and we delivered it to Camp Pendleton. It set up on tables, and they all came, and it was pretty phenomenal because we had them like they some of them like brought their kids and stuff like that. And... Guys, I mean, the, so I, I, I'm. I almost don't even know what to say. I, I just, this is so powerful to me because you're talking about a man who's got a wife and kids. He's buried with other things, other activities, um, you know, got to put food on the table. But you want to talk about a guy who's driven by the human element and it, it, it's Ron and he's, he's going about not just giving to an organization and cutting the check, which by the way, there's a lot of validity to, there's nothing wrong with cutting that check, but Ron's now said, hey, I'm going to go out and do something that matters and make it my own. And, you know, I guess it's I I guess for me, what I hear is like, hey, you don't have to you don't have to like partner up with some special charity or partner up with a business or an associate or an affiliate company. No, you just go do it. Just go do it, like make it your own and like and do you. And uh, I'm just so inspired by it, man. And I think it's it's so cool. There's a. There's a uh, conference that I went to last year. I could go deep on this. I'll I'll keep it surface level for now and save it for another time. But there's a there's a conference I went to last year called Thrive, uh, and the the tag is Make Money Matter, Making Money Matter. And um, man, I mean, it's it's all about creating businesses and and running businesses for profit to serve a greater purpose. And I think that 
well, not I think, I know that that vision is fulfilled in exactly what you're doing because you're you're giving back. Um, you're, you're doing something more than just selling houses. You're creating connections with actual human beings. And, you know, not that I want to tail everything back to the almighty dollar, but, uh, you know, let's just do that for a minute and look at how these types of connections and activities that you've partic participated in, how has it been fruitful for uh, your business? Just that genuine raw authenticity for like all the right reasons, putting out those good vibes, putting out that good work. I mean, is it connecting you with people in a way that you hadn't been connecting before? Oh, absolutely. And you, you have to legitimately, though, be in the mindset that you're not doing it for your business, right? Mm -hmm. You're doing it to do it, right? And, sure. And if something good comes in return to you, it may not be like directly business related, but it might be indirectly business related or it might just impact your family or impact your heart. And what it does is maybe gives you a different perspective on how to deal with certain people or how to deal with sure. certain, or deal with your own challenges. I think right? the point, I think the point though is by surrounding yourself with that type of activity, by surrounding yourself in those types of environments, you're, you're putting yourself in a position where you're giving back for all the right reasons, all the right motivations. But now you're being recognized as a genuine and real human being and you're giving back and you're creating your own community your own sphere that cares about one another. And in the end, uh, I'm a big believer that when you put those vibes out, it comes back to you and, and you may, to your point, indirectly feel the fruits of that labor, but uh, you'll probably feel it nonetheless. So I think, uh, I, I thank you for being an example to other agents who maybe are not as involved. Um, I mm -hmm. think I'm, I'm an example of that myself. I need to be more involved and I appreciate you sharing that because it's, it's inspiring to know that you just, you basically wanted to achieve something and you in a giving back kind of way and just said, Hey, I'm, I don't find something that I, that I can tie it to. I'm just going to go do what I feel is right. And almost, I mean, you didn't create your own organization, but you certainly created your own cause. And I, I admire that. We're going to wrap things up here. Got a couple more questions for sure. you and, uh, we'll kind of fire off some, some quicker ones. Tell me what your favorite free resource is that's been valuable for your business. Man, that's a good question because there's a lot of them. You know, may not be – I don't know if this is free for everybody, but it's at least super cheap. Uh, if you got kids, joining PTA is a great resource as far as uh, meeting people and uh, keeping front of mind in your neighborhood. Um, we already touched on the social agent. That's been an awesome resource. So uh, Facebook groups. Facebook groups have been an awesome resource for me. Um, you have to, <clears throat> you have to realize when to not chase down a rabbit hole though, and, and protect your time with that. So if you have specific things you're looking for, they're a great resource. Any paid resources, any, anything that's, you know, you think you get more bang for the buck? Absolutely. Uh, hands down, Melissa data, like almost single-handedly has like changed my business <laughs> as a way to, to search, uh, information on people and get contact information for people. It's uh, hands down like the most probably robust system I've ever used and cost effective system I've ever used without having to subscribe to anything and and, uh, you know, and not having to worry about a dialer or all the extra junk that you do. And it allows you to be able to go in and pull information from tax records or pull information from MLS on properties and try to connect the dots between a property and a property owner and get their information to talk to them. So if you want to do awesome. your own, if you want to do your own expires or whatever, you can do it 
on a really low cost budget without having to subscribe to a service. Well, I'll definitely drop a link to Melissa data in there as well. And, uh, and, and to, uh, Williams social agent group, uh, on, on Facebook as well. I think those are some good resources. Tell me what is the absolute worst advice that you have ever been given as an agent? The worst advice I've ever had is that you have to spend money to, to, to get your first deal. I would say that's probably the absolute worst because I think so many people come right out and tell you, you've got to have X to achieve X. And that's not true. You can grind out a deal with no money up front, period. I love that advice. I love it. So put a little sweat equity in. Don't be afraid to do the work, understand and know what you're doing. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for all the time that you spent with us. You're welcome. Um, I think you gave some amazing value here uh, and a lot a lot in a lot of different categories for uh, for agents to chew on. Uh, to, to quickly reflect on a few of those things for agents that are looking to join a team, what to look out for for agents that are looking to start a team, whether it's by yourself or what with a partner, some of the pitfalls that you want to try to avoid and some sound advice on what to look for and, and, you know, how hard to scrub on agents that you are looking to bring on board all the way from all the way to some of the, the great advice given to new agents, get involved with charities, get involved at the PTA, take a look on Facebook, get into some mastermind groups. All these things are uh, amazing advice and we greatly appreciate you sharing with it. You're welcome. Do you have any parting words of advice as we close up? Any last final thoughts and uh, maybe let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you and stay connected? Sure. Uh, well, contact info, you already gave up the websites, KaufmanEvansHomes.com, uh, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-E-V-A-N-S Homes.com. My direct email is team, T-E-A-M, at KaufmanEvansHomes.com. Uh, love to hear from people. Love to hear feedback. Uh, you can use Kaufman Evans Homes on all the social media, too. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook to, to connect with us as well. Last piece of advice, I think I would just reiterate that when you start planning your goals and, and, and planning your business, manage the activity. Manage the activity and the goals will happen and the money will come. I like it. I like it. Well, you've heard it from Mr. Ron Evans himself, an agent growing his own business, growing a team, and uh, just taking it down one listing, one sale at a time. And he is focusing on the activity to ultimately achieve the stability and the growth in his business. So, uh, Ron, thank you again so much for being here, folks. You're welcome. You have been listening to our weekly Wednesday interviews with agents from every walk of life, and uh, Ron has dropped some major value. If you are not listening on our website, you can always go back to reraw.com. Again, that's www.reraw.com. If you've been driving in the car in between appointments, you're waking up, taking a shower, whatever it is, you can go onto our website, have a look at the show notes, all the resources, all the different uh, tips, tools, tricks. They're all listed there for you to click on and go crazy with. So have fun with it. And uh, just remember something when you're out there this week, real agents work. You absolutely need to be one of them. And uh, we will look forward to the next interview. Thanks again, Ron. Thank you, James. It was a pleasure being raw with you. Whoa. <laughs>Hey everyone, James Hoff, your host of ReRaw. As you probably already know, listing leads are the crown jewel for agents. There's an old saying that says those who hold the listings have everyone else working for them. Hence why listing leads are so valuable. But 
the acquisition cost for a listing lead is far more expensive than a potential buyer, and sadly, these leads are rarely exclusive to just one agent. Fortunately, Offers.com has all of us covered. I personally use them to target likely to list homes, and what's best is that my territory and the leads in it are mine exclusively. Offers.com is leading the way in predictive analytics for real estate. Not only do they verify high-quality leads, but they have exceptional tools to help you with your follow-up and nurturing by providing you things like market reports or hand-addressed letters that can also be sent to your prospects, to name just a couple. The strategic approach Offers.com has to identifying prospective home sellers takes a lot of the guesswork out of who you should be targeting for your next listing. If you're looking for listing leads and you're tired of paying for a shared lead, contact Offers.com today and see what they're all about. You can actually set up a demo with my personal rep by visiting www.reraw.com forward slash O-F-F-R-S. That's www.reraw.com forward slash offers. One last time, that's reraw.com forward slash O-F-F-R-S.